Jesus entered Jericho and made his way through the town. There was a man named Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector in the region, and he had become very rich. He tried to get a look at Jesus, but he was too short to see over the crowd. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree beside the road, for Jesus was going to pass that way. When Jesus came by, he looked up at Zacchaeus and called him by name. Zacchaeus, he said, quick, come down. I must be a guest in your home today. Zacchaeus quickly climbed down and took Jesus to his house in great excitement and joy. But the people were displeased. He, was gone to be, uh, he, he has gone to be the guest of a notorious sinner. They grumbled. Meanwhile, Zacchaeus stood before the Lord and said, I will give half my wealth to the poor Lord. And if I ever cheated people in their taxes, I will give them back four times as much. Jesus responded, Salvation has come to this home today, for this man has shown himself to be a true son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and save those who are lost. The word of the Lord. I have been sharing in the last month, and this is the last day of the month, is it? Tomorrow is the last day of the month, but it is my last Sunday of the month. October was a last Sunday, Patricia. It was a very long month. Five Sundays in it, right? Just like July. I thought July was never going to end. <laughs> I kept on preaching, and Jesus never came. But today is the last preaching in this series, and I have called, been calling the series um, Faithful or Fearless versus Faith. And we have discovered how negative and how paralyzing and, and how alienating and how uh, um, the fear that we encounter, first of all, if it's paralyzing, if, if it's, the fear is alienating, if the fear is in any way, shape, or form holding you back, it doesn't come from God. Because Scripture tells us that God has not given us a spirit of fear or timidity, but a spirit of power. What else? Love and self-control. So that kind of fear we know is not from God. So God doesn't want us to be fearful. God wants us to be faithful. And I began sharing this with the main text for the month, which was out of Ephesians 3, 20, 21. To him be all the glory, he begins saying, now to him who is able to do exceedingly above all that we ask or think. I like the other version that says that exceedingly... Um, Abundantly above all that we may ask or imagine. What are you imagining for your life? What are you asking for your life? Well, guess what? God has something greater and something above than whatever we can imagine. Not only for our lives, but for our church's lives, for our community life, for this community in which we live. There's got to be something greater and bigger than what we even can imagine. According to the power that works in us, 
That's God's power in us. And into him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. And the chapter ends. But whatever we ask, whatever we think, God has a better and greater idea. So our first uh, Sunday here in, in this month, we started with living a fearless life. And we discovered that a fearless life looks like Jesus' life. A fearless life is dedicated for others, not for self. A fearless life is dedicated to make something happen that's amazingly big, not about ourselves. A fearless life gives himself for others. The second Sunday, we were talking about the fearless living. In fearless living, we found out that any way we can imagine something for our life, God has something greater and bigger for our lives. So we have no reason to be afraid in our living then we talked about fearless service, how bold we can serve our community because God, God self, plants the desires in us to be, to impact, to make a difference in our communities by touching people's lives, not by making checks and sending them. That doesn't make anybody's life better except the business that receives it and distributes it. But touching, sitting down, listening to people's issues in life, no matter how weird, how dark they may be, we listen to them. Because we are the light, and we're not afraid of being Jesus in that moment with them. And last week, we talked about fearless sowing, how we sow fearlessly. Because guess what? Who gives the growth? God gives the growth. We can sow love. We can sow goodness. And we can sow grace and gratitude. Because that is what God wants us to sow on each other's hearts and in each other's lives. The good things that God has for our lives. Today, I want to talk about fearless giving because we are all givers. Now, let me get the sermon. I left it back there. Let me get the sermon. <laughs> fearless giving. And fearless giving, in, in, uh, we're talking about that because we are in the season of, I don't find it here. We're in the season. I know the sermon. We're in the season of stewardship. We call it stewardship. We're going to change the name here. We're going to call it the season of faith in action. This isn't where God is going to challenge your faith, where God is going to challenge your beliefs, where, you, where I am asking you not to believe in God anymore. Did you hear what I just said? I'm asking you not to believe in God anymore. It's old. Believing in God may have not taken you anywhere. It's old. But I'm challenging you to believe God. That's different. Very different. Believing in God, anybody. Actually, Scripture says even the, the enemy's foes, the demons, as it says in Scripture, believe in God. But the difference between you and I is that we believe God. And believing God is believing what God says. If God says that God has claimed you to salvation and that you're okay with God and God is no longer angry with, with you, what does that mean? You have peace with God, right? Do you have peace with God? Um, okay, let's start with from that. <laughs> Do you have peace with God? Yeah. Very good. So we are all givers. Now, I want to share a few stories with you about some givers. The first giver, and by the way, all these stories are in the book of Luke. The first giver was the young rich ruler. The young rich ruler, I believe it was Mark, by the way, but that's my own theory. There's some other scholastics who kind of agree with me. The young rich ruler was young, was rich, and he had power, position, and money. And, and, and the fortunate, he, uh, we're going to call him the fake giver. 
The first story is about the fake giver. The guy who gives, but is really fake giving, he's not really giving because he's really taking more than what he's giving. His self-righteousness, he is taking more than what he's giving because he's self-righteous, he's wealthy, he's powerful. And then he comes to Jesus and asks Jesus, what do I need to do in order to inherit the kingdom of heaven? And Jesus clenches him right where his heart is because Jesus knows where our heart is located at. And he said, you have to give, sell everything you have and give it to the poor. Luke uses a very peculiar word that translated means, and his face had dropped. His face was dropped. Persona was dropped. Meaning, when that word is used in the Greek, the medical tradition of the first century meant he was depressed. He could not fulfill the demand. He could see no way. He had all the resources in his hands. He had all the resources. He had the power. He had the money. And he had the self-righteous because his religion and what he did for religion was worth more than what he could give to the poor or change people's lives. The second givers, we're going to call them the ones who are, very, who are givers but are not aware of how important it is. And in this version in Luke, we find, uh, uh, in chapter 9 of Luke, we find Jesus describing his followers. They are beginning to follow Jesus. And it says, and they supported out of their own means the ministry of Jesus. And these were the the women. Uh, Suzanne was there. Suzanne, you were there. There was a Dorcas there. There was a Doris there. And there was a, uh, um, several Marys, as we know. Marian, Mary, Mariam. They were just individuals beginning in the faith. They didn't even know altogether what they were getting into. All of them were new, including Jesus in his way. And yet, they took of their belongings and they put them together and they shared a life on the way. Out of their belongings, Luke tells us that they gave and supported the ministry of Jesus. And Jesus wanted us to know who were these inconspicuous givers who were given without really knowing whether we're beginning to build the message of the Messiah. The third story that I want to share with you is a fictional character. This character really didn't exist, but Jesus uses him and calls him the Good Samaritan. This is the compassionate giver. We've spoken about the fake giver, We've spoken about the inconspicuous giver and then the compassionate giver. You see, the compassionate giver didn't even have to give. The compassionate giver didn't even have to notice because there was a person who was laying in the road who hated him, who looked at him negatively, who thought that person on the ground thought he was better than the one that was walking. The person on the ground was entitled and always looked down at the other one, at the Samaritan. But due to the compassion to the love, and this is what Jesus brings out in the story. He not only stopped and helped the person in the ground, but he also gave help, took him to an inn and got himself on debt for the sake of this unknown person. That's the compassionate giver that gives because there is a need, and the need is greater than his or her own needs. Through compassion. Then we have the last giver. 
the one that considers the kingdom first, the one that we're going to call the fearless giver, the one that realizes that he or she gives fearlessly because God is God, that he or she gives because they realize that everything they have goes to God and belongs to God. And this is Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus, interestingly enough, it says he was a big sinner. You know why he was a sinner? He was a traitor. He was not only a tax collector trying to take money from the people, but he was the chief tax collector. He was the worst of them all. And then he tells us that he had become very rich. Did you know that tax collectors in those days did not get paid by the Roman Empire to collect the Roman Empire taxes? It was not a volunteer position. You actually could charge fees, surfees upon those taxes for your living. So he was collecting taxes plus, and Scripture tells us that he was very, very wealthy. But something happened to Zacchaeus that one day, that he realizes that Jesus is coming to his town. So interestingly enough, the Greek doesn't really specify whether who was tall and who was short. If you look in that sense, it says, he did not think he could see. So he, who's he? Who was short? Was Jesus short and Zacchaeus had to get on a tree to look at him? It's possible. That's why Zacchaeus probably got on the tree because Jesus was shorter. Why can't we imagine that? Notice that your reactions. Why can't we imagine Jesus to be short? No, he has to be 6'2", blonde with green eyes. Guess what? No. <laughs> Think about it. Look at the image that we have that when I present the idea that Jesus, that's okay, that Jesus may have been the one who was short, and that is why Zacchaeus had to get up on the tree to be able to see over the crowd at the short Jesus. But that's not the point. The point is what happened at the party. Just stretching our minds here, Desmond. <laughs> you see? The point was what happened in the party. Somehow, Zacchaeus, which may have been fearful of the Jewish establishment, which, by the way, they made their presence known. Notice in the text, it tells us that these individuals were upset. There was a group of people that were very upset. In another story, in another gospel, it tells us that some of his disciples actually went in the house into this party, and some did not go in. Huh. Why didn't the other ones go in? Was there a roasting pig probably? <laughs> they didn't go in. And the ones that were outside were met by the Pharisees and Sadducees. They were looking through the window. They were peeking through the window. At the, oh, they didn't go to the party, but they're right there looking through the window. And they blamed Jesus. They told the, the disciples, why is your master eating and drinking? Eating and drinking with sinners. And the scripture breaks into the transcendence and tells us, but Jesus heard their voices and knew what they were thinking in their hearts and replied, the Son of Man, this is the Matthew version, the Son of Man did not come for those who think they're okay. Are you okay? He came for those who know 
they have a need. Amen. The son of so he utters that statement, and the reaction from Zacchaeus is a plentiful reaction of fearless generosity. Ooh, that sounded like a Sunday word. A plentiful reaction of fearless generosity. I said it again. He reacted by giving and he said, I am going to give back to the poor. And then he said, the, now this is the funny thing. Uh, he's still a human being, obviously, and he's guarding himself. He's probably guarding his taxes. He's not going to reveal his taxes to anyone until after election. So, uh, so uh, he's not going to say anything to anyone. Okay? He's not going to say anything to anyone. But he says, if I have cheated anyone, come on, give me a break. See the defense there? <laughs> if, if dudes, dudettes, <laughs> he got rich because he was cheating everybody, okay? So if, see still the defensiveness? See still our human weakness trying to, oh, Lord, if I did this, if I offended you, Because I have offended you, Lord. Not if I have offended you. If I have cheated, I will give them four times back. So the fearless giver, the fearless giver is one that gives because of God. He realizes, he or she realizes how much God has given them. How much God has given in breath, in strength, in energy, in capacity, in potential. The fearless giver is aware how much God has given them. Therefore, their response, their reaction is to give back. I wonder which giver are you? Are you the fake giver whose religiosity is enough? And yet Jesus confronts him, it's not enough. Are you part of the rag muffin that, yeah, let's give it because we're doing this. That's great. Are you giving compassionately? That's good. Or are you a transformed and fearless giver? Let's give to one another. Let's give in this community. Have you ever heard of rivers of hope? Who said yes? <laughs> Connie said yes because her husband drove her crazy about it. <laughs> I'm not looking, right? I know the story. Because Linwood, Charlie, Angelique Green, Onika's mom, uh, uh, Rebecca Blackwell, remember Michael Phillips, the attorney? We were all together, and, and Charlie, I knew exactly what was going on. Everybody was talking legal terms because we're putting together a not-for-profit organization. This last uh, Friday night, there was a party in my complex, a Halloween party where I live. And I again asked, what can Light of Hope bring? What is Light of Hope? A church? Nothing. We can't accept anything from Light of Hope. But what can River of Hope's Neighborhood Incorporated bring? What is River of Hope Neighborhood Incorporated? It's a social agency that's going to help the community. Oh, we can get anything from them. Hello? The church is not welcome. So guess what? We're going to dress up as River of Hope Incorporated too, so that we can impact and give in this community significantly, fearlessly, and they will know that Rivers of Hope belongs to, uh-uh, they will know that Rivers of Hope belongs to 
Light of hope. Say it. So pray for rivers of hope. Pray that this coming year we would be able to open this agency. We would be able to get a grant writer so that we can begin to make the school. Can you imagine an elementary school downstairs four days, five days a week, children learning the Word of God, their math, their reading, and everything at a level that they will be able to make it in college? Amen. Can you imagine how we can impact this community with our community meals and breakfasts, touching lives and families as they come closer to Jesus? That's what we're trying to do. It's not for ourselves. It's not for the Sunday tea. It's not for the Valentine's tea. I was at a church that there was a fight and the church split up because of the Valentine's tea. I'm serious. Or was it the Christmas tea? It was a tea. And there were two generations in the church. The older generation who wanted to have their Christmas tea for themselves. And then the new generation like Onika who said, a Chris I remember her. It wasn't Onika, but it was somebody like her. And she said, a Christmas tea? Why would we have a Christmas tea when there are moms who are trying to feed their kids under the bridge? Let's go and feed. Let's go take the tea under the bridge. Right? So when you hear her say things like that, she's serious. Okay. That's the difference. That's making a difference in our community. We can have our teas, but for ourselves or to touch somebody with the love of God. Amen? Let us pray. Dear God, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the encouragement of your spirit that brings it to our minds. From my mouth, it arches into their ears, goes through their hearts, and you sanctify, you purify the word in my brothers' and sisters' hearts so that it will do what you send it to do. We thank you for the power that's in that word because it is your word that only comes with your spirit to change us, to change our ways of thinking so that our ways of living will also change. We pray, O oh Lord, for this community for this coming week and the other week. As we celebrate some things and, and we also go into the ballots, we pray for our safety. We pray for civility. We pray for the American way that we have gotten used to. We thank you, O oh God, for the freedom that we have to disagree outside the building, but to come together as brothers and sisters because we belong to a kingdom, not merely to a nation. We are in this world, but we are not of this world, Jesus says. And therefore, our priorities are the kingdom and not CNN, MSNBC, or Fox. We pray for your spirit to guard us and keep us faithful to you alone, who you are our king. To your faith alone, to your word alone, and to your son Christ alone, who taught us to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen.